0: I'm ugly. You're ugly and what? Square? No! Proud! I'm ugly and I'm proud. Good! Say it louder! I'm ugly and I'm proud. Louder! I'm ugly and I'm proud! Louder! Hi, and welcome to Honto Ego, Japan's only... I'm sorry, excuse me one moment. (sighs) Okay, I feel better now. That was very cathartic. Welcome to Honto Ego, Japan's only 99.9% English podcast hosted at my dinner table. My name is Matt. And what you just listened to was me releasing my pent-up, bottled-up emotions. This is what we call catharsis. We've all been there. Maybe you're feeling very stressed out or very worried about something, um, and you have a good cry, right? You cry and you let all that emotion out, and it leaves your body, right? Crying is cathartic. You're releasing your sadness or your anger or your stress. And, you know, many different things can be cathartic, including fiction and including drama, right? The idea of catharsis is essential to drama, I believe, and many people believe. To start with, consider the idea of passion. Passion is the elevation of emotions and the elevation of feeling so that everything is heightened and when we think of passion this way you know you can be passionately happy passionately angry passionately sad whatever right they're all kind of conjoined hand in hand aren't they the thing that made me think about this was not too long ago i was on a phone call and i started telling a personal story about someone close to me in my life and I was saying, you know some funny things about that person things that make me laugh about that person in a good way And I was making myself laugh thinking about this person, right? And I was laughing laughing pretty hard, right? And suddenly I found myself crying um, Which I don't do that often and you know, I went so easily from laughter to crying and you know, I think I was just feeling this heightened sense of emotion about not seeing this person for a long time. And it felt good to let it out. So to turn our eye to fiction and to drama, that's kind of the purpose of fiction, right, I feel. It's to draw out emotions in the audience and, you know, bring stuff to the surface that they maybe didn't know that they were feeling, Right? And everyone comes out feeling so much better, usually, right? If it's done well. Think about the genres and the types of entertainment that we enjoy, right? Comedy, we go to laugh, right? The harder we laugh, the better the comedy is. Drama and tragedy, we go to cry, right? Horror and thrillers we go to scream right and feel scared Why would we want to feel scared right isn't that a negative emotion and? Even anger is brought to the surface Let's say that you have a really good villain in a story right and the villain is so hateable and They make us so angry when they get away with doing something bad right Or we feel so angry or upset when something bad happens to the good hero or the protagonist. When I think about a hateable villain, I think about King Joffrey in A Song of Ice and Fire, the fantasy book series, and its TV show uh, Game of Thrones. King Joffrey is such a hateable character, and that's what makes him such a great villain. The fact that he can bring up and draw those emotions out of us. Typically, you know, that emotion is brought forth, and then by the end of the plot, by the end of the story, um, justice is served, maybe, right? Maybe the villain is stopped, maybe the hero is redeemed, right? Um, They get revenge or whatever. And, you know, that emotion that has been brought forth is cleared away, and we feel refreshed, The idea of catharsis is nothing new. Join me now in my time machine as we go back in time to around 300 BC, so about 2300 years ago, to look at the Greek philosopher Aristotle. Aristotle is famous for a lot of things. The thing that I most like from him, (laughs) perhaps, is his book Poetics. Poetics is Aristotle's write-up of the rules of drama. And in Aristotle's time, drama was mostly on stage, right? Well, I guess there was no stage, but it was what we would consider a play today. Unfortunately, most of the book poetics has been lost with time, but what survives today is the rules of tragedy. And in Aristotle's time, tragedy was seen as the highest form of art. It was like the greatest thing that you could make artistically. And so Aristotle writes down the rules of how to make good tragedy, right? How to make a great tragic play. And one of the rules that comes up again and again is the idea of bringing out cathartic feelings, right? Catharsis in the audience. And Aristotle defines it as eliciting, which means bringing out Fear and or pity from the audience. So the audience should fear what bad things might happen to the characters in the play. And they should pity the characters in the play, right? They should feel bad that bad things are happening to these characters. Now, the interesting thing is that tragedies don't end happily, right? There is no justice or comeuppance at the end of a tragedy. Usually in a tragedy... Characters die, and people flock to the theaters, right? People go to these plays knowing full well that the characters are all going to die, most likely, and it's going to be a sad ending. And yet they enjoy it, right? We know that Oedipus is going to accidentally marry his mother, kill his father, and eventually poke his own eyes out, right? And we watch this and we go, Ooh, no, oh, oh! (sighs) Right, and we go home feeling better because of what we watched. Humans are weird, right? (laughs) Um, So I think the modern equivalent of tragic plays, besides, you know, we still have sad plays and sad stories, of course, but I feel like horror movies have become the most cathartic form of entertainment. I mean, Stephen King... Is Still I think the most popular or best-selling American writer or one of them, right? If you go to a library or a bookstore in Canada or America uh, There's gonna be a whole section for Stephen King, right? There's gonna be Shelves and shelves of just Stephen King. That's how popular he is right and he writes horror and thrillers for adults The next theory that I want to talk about is the way that emotions are linked, and how they often come in pairs. So, I find today that a lot of horror movies are very comedic, right? Sometimes they try to be very dark, but generally, horror movies tend to be very funny. And the people who go, you know, they have two reactions. They have, oh, oh, ugh, right, when they see something horrific, and, ha, 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 ha. And oftentimes, you know, they're laughing at the same time as other people are cringing, ugh, right? Sometimes there'll be like a really dark, horrible scene, and then it will be punctuated with a joke, right? A joke will come very quickly to lighten the mood. And I feel like everyone is more willing to laugh when they're feeling that feeling of horror, right? And the opposite is also true. How many movies have you seen where characters are driving in a car and they're laughing and smiling, they're singing along to the radio, <laughs> yeah, you got what I need, <clears throat> right, and they get hit by another car. I, I feel like I've seen this like, you know, 10 times in movies. They're singing and driving, they're not paying attention, it's a happy moment, and boom, big surprise, they get in a car crash and somebody gets hurt, right? That's happiness punctuated with fear or punctuated with sadness or punctuated with horror. I think part of that is the contrast that the artist or the writer or the creator of the art is creating, right? The contrast between the emotions. So they swing the audience's feelings one way and then quickly swing them back in a different direction. But I think another part of this feeling is, you know, people want to let out these emotions, right? Once we open the gates to, you know, let happiness out or anger out, I feel like we feel good to let the other emotions run wild as well, right? Why not? Why not let it all out? The most recent trend that I've seen in podcasts and movies and TV and books is the rising popularity, the rocketing popularity of true crime. And it's interesting because generally true crime, it's not fiction, right? It's supposed to be true, nonfiction. Sometimes it's fictionalized, right? And it's edited and written up to be more dramatic. But generally, it's people reading or listening or watching stories about real crimes that happened and real people that died or murdered or whatever right why is this so popular i think one theory that people throw around a lot is that true crime is especially popular with women my image of you know horror fans are generally men but really when i think about it most horror fans and true crime fans that i know are women and this theory says that because women are in more danger in real life, right? Because they're in more danger than men generally in real life. They feel more cathartic by watching true crime and horror because it's like, oh, that thing can actually happen to me. You know, I am in danger of getting murdered, you know? And sometimes it takes the form of like, you know, a vampire or a zombie or something unrealistic, but still, The danger in real life is more present I think to women so they need the catharsis more they need to see on screen on page what could maybe happen to them and maybe they can feel like oh okay I've seen it now you know I don't have to be anxious about it maybe that's why the most popular and enduring monsters in fiction are so close to our reality right Where I come from, Stephen King, is so, so popular because all his books are set in these normal suburban areas where his readers most likely live and where he lives. Maybe zombies and vampires and those kind of monsters are popular because they look human, you know? (laughs) And even inhuman monsters, like let's say Godzilla, right? Godzilla is so popular in Japan because... He represents, like, this force of nature. You know, in Canada, I was never afraid of earthquakes or tsunamis or these kinds of things, right? Godzilla is like that. He's like a force of nature, this giant unstoppable thing, right, that people can only run away from. Like a natural disaster. So, good emotional fiction is relatable. Not literally, you know... There aren't actually giant lizards running around Japan, right, but emotionally relatable. We can understand how the characters feel, and we share that feeling with them. And it feels good to feel our feelings, right? We have them for a reason. So, I guess the last thing that I'll talk about today is, hmm, a cathartic experience I've had with fiction. Like I said, I don't cry very often. Um, it's quite rare. I feel like the hardest I've ever cried in a movie was definitely <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 saying maybe, but no, definitely Toy Story 3. Oh. And I'm not alone in that, I'm sure. I'm sure that many people have felt, you know, strong emotions from that movie. But for me, Toy Story was relatable, not because I'm a small piece of plastic. Uh, I'm not like a little toy cowboy. No, Toy Story was relatable to me because I was the same age as Andy, you know, the main boy character that owns all the toys. So I was Andy's age when Toy Story 1 came out, roughly. And in Toy Story 3, you know, the plot is Andy is becoming an adult and he's going away to college. And I was right there with him, you know. I was going to be leaving my hometown around the same time. So to see the toys on screen, you know, uh, being passed off without spoiling the ending, really, um, that was quite emotional, right? Because for me, too, it it was like I was handing off my childhood, you know, like, okay, childhood's done. Time to move on to the adult world. Now, most people say that they cried during like the final, final scene of Toy Story 3, when the toys are changing hands, being given away. But for me, it was a scene a little bit before that, when the toys are in the furnace, you know, and they're sliding in the garbage towards the fire, and they can't escape, they see death coming, and they just look at each other and hold hands, right? And they slowly go down the you know the garbage chute towards the fire ready to embrace death this is a kids movie (laughs) you know like wow geez uh (laughs) yeah i remember watching that scene in the theater and you know most disney movies we know that the characters aren't going to die right but it felt so emotionally real in that moment that they tricked me, right? They convinced me that they were going to kill Woody and Buzz and the other toys right before my eyes. And I was crying pretty hard in the theater. Looking back, it's silly, right? Because it's like, okay, I know, you know, the movie still has however many minutes left. Of course, they're going to be safe, right? The theater is full of children. Of course, they're not going to burn alive, right? (laughs) But that's just powerful storytelling. And, uh, you know, it was very cathartic for me. All right, well, that's the end of today's episode on catharsis. Um, you know, if you're ever writing a story, try to include that, right? Don't just aim for one emotion. If you're going to make your reader feel one way, why not make them feel a few ways, right? Why not make them feel the depth of human emotion? As always, you can follow Honto Ego on Instagram at HontoEgoPod, H-O-N-T-O. E-I-G-O-P-O-D, Pod on Instagram. Uh, We're just starting to do some grammar videos on there. We have book recommendations. We have bonus content relating to each episode. A lot of good stuff there to check out. And as always, if you have any questions about English, or if you have any topic ideas for the show, please email me at HontoEgo at gmail.com. Alright everyone, was it an emotional episode for you? It was for me, but I feel better now. We've all had a good laugh. We've all had a good cry. Uh, I freaked out with anger in the beginning. Now I feel restored. So uh, get out there and feel your feelings. Bye. Bye.